You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. In case you missed it last week, Devastation on the Nation 2020 has been postponed until 2021. Massive shout out to Dan DeFonce for pulling this off, getting together so quickly. I am impressed. Devastation on the Nation 2021 features Rotting Christ, Borknagar, Wolfheart, Abigail Williams, and Imperial Triumphant. And if you had tickets to Devastation on the Nation 2020, don't worry. All you have to do is show up to Devastation on the Nation 2021 in your city, and your ticket shall be honored. If you would like a refund, however, you can go back to your place of purchase to get a refund. But honestly, I think that you should go to Devastation on the Nation 2021 because it's a party that you do not want to miss. Devastation on the Nation is proudly brought to you by Metal Festival Tours, Continental Touring, and the Vox and Hops podcast. I just want to take a little moment to thank the Vox and Hops alumni, you Vox and Hops heads, for coming out last night to the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. It was super fun. So much fun to see. So many familiar faces. Finally put some faces to the people that have been following the podcast, you Vox and Hopsheads. It was nice to meet you all. This is going to be happening every Thursday until we are released from social isolation. I'm super stoked. Next week's is going to be a little bit earlier. I'm going to make it earlier so that everyone listening in different time zones, such as people over in Europe, you guys can participate at a more reasonable hour. Much love and respect to everyone. That was super fun. Can't wait to do it again. COVID-19 needs to be taken seriously. The best way to do that is to practice social distancing, social isolation. We all need to stay home right now in order to stay safe. We got to get ahead of this thing. And the best way to do that is just to simply stay home, wash your hands, and take care of yourselves. If you are feeling a little stir crazy, the best way to fix that is to reach out to a friend, reach out to a loved one, set up a virtual hang, hang out with your friends. Just because you can't be together doesn't mean that we can't be together. So if you feel like you're going a little bit crazy, you're not the only one. I can assure you that. Reach out to a friend. Set up a virtual hang, crack open a craft beer, and hang out with your friends and loved ones. Hey there, this is Liz Imperiali from Bucket List Music Reviews, and you are listening to Vox and Hops. Hey, thank you so, so much, Liz from Bucket List. I've had a lot of fun doing some stuff with Liz and the great people of Bucket List Music Reviews. They also have started their Bucket List TV on YouTube. You should check it out. It's lots of fun. On today's episode, I'm with Dustin Davidson of August Burns Red. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 120. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I'm with Dustin Davidson from August Burns Red. Uh, We are doing this... Each in the comfort of our own homes, which is very strange for a Vox and Hops. Normally, we are in a crowded bar. It is before your show, and uh, we're sharing a craft brew together. But in the admits everything that's going on with the COVID-19 virus, everyone has to stay home. So I said, why not just do some, some Zoom interviews and uh, connect with some people that I might not actually have the chance to connect with? So super stoked to be with you, Dustin. Let's start at the beginning. A classic Vox and Hops question. 
What is the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents' house? What music was playing when you were not in control of the music? So, yeah, it depends. Uh, at a very, very early age, I got into music uh, and I got into pop punk first. So if you're asking the 13 year old me, 14 year old me, it was Blink-182 for sure. That's sort of what fueled my uh, just love for music at that age. And then it kind of progressed into heavier stuff as it went on. So started with Blink and went into metal a couple of years after that. Uh, but the vein of the question was what music did your parents listen to, not what you listened to? Oh, I'm sorry. That's what my parents listened to. Oh, that's <laughs> that's a great question. Okay, Eric Clapton, hmm. uh, Led, Led Zeppelin, um, Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my dad is a, is a big '80s rocker, and my mom my mom's favorite band's The Beatles. So The Beatles was on a lot as well. Yeah, you can never go wrong with that. I've, I've interviewed a lot of musicians, and The Beatles have been one of those answers that just keeps coming around, and it. To, 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 for them to have such a, var, a vast catalog that have influenced so many people is just so amazing. Whether it be metal or right. death, death metal, everyone grew up with the Beatles playing in their house. Yep, in the house, in the car, everywhere I'd go. Take me to uh, that first gig when you went to go see a show. Wow, my first show. Um, besides like a local show or just like, like the first like... Yeah, we could, we could do both actually because both are stem interesting questions in both directions. Yeah. Um, so I live in a really small town, Hagerstown, Maryland, and it's, uh, there's a, I guess, even smaller town outside of it called Leitersburg and there's a Grange Hall there. And we used to have this event every other week and, uh, it was called Baxter's. That's what definitely made me want to start playing music was going to shows where there'd be like 50 to 150 kids and just on the floor, no PA <laughs> or it was very small PA, uh, and just like pushing each other around and having a good time. One of the first like touring acts that I saw was actually at that Grange Hall. Um, from first to last was the band. And it was before uh, Sonny had joined the band. So I think it was right when they, they were signing or they maybe they were about to sign or something like that because Sonny joined the band shortly after and then they released that first album that kind of blew them up. Uh, and then Silverstein came through a couple weeks after that as well. Did you ever get the chance to play the Baxters to play the Grange Hall? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, 2000, I was, I forget what year. When I was in eighth grade, I remember it very well. I uh, played Baxter's for the first time. Was that like a moment you were like, you were like, I made it. I finally played Baxter's. That was the moment I knew I made it. <laughs> <laughs> My mom came to see me play. <laughs> Actually, oh, dude, this is so funny. You reminded me of it. I love this. Um, I remember um, this wasn't the first show, but it was one of the Baxter shows. Um, it was in a band where I played drums and we experimented with a lot of weird stuff. If I would reflect on that, it was terrible music, but you know, <laughs> one of your first bands. So, uh, so we were a metal band. It was a little bit of singing, but mostly screaming. And there was a part in one of our songs where everything just dipped down and it was like a minute and a half of just like a clean guitar part. And I remember my mom wasn't there. So I took my phone out and I called my mom and I did vocals too as a drummer. So I went to the microphone. I'm like, guys, I got my mom on the phone. Everybody say hi to my mom. Hi mom. <laughs> hey mom, I'm playing a show. I'll see you in a little bit. All right. Have a good one. Bye. So it's so funny. I haven't thought about that in a while, but talking about Baxter's reminded of me, reminded me of that. So that's really cool. That's amazing. I grew up in a house where my parents were super supportive. Uh, my, my room was the jam room. Did you have a situation similar to that? Your parents sound to be always uh, supporting you. Yeah, uh, my parents were always supporting me in music. Um, it was like seventh grade. I think they put uh, both of our Christmas presents together and got us a, a drum kit, a Pearl. Uh, what was that? 
Pearl Export, I think was Export Select, I think maybe. Um, and uh, then my brother and I put our money together and got nice symbols. And to this day, I actually still have some of those symbols on my kit. <laughs> there you go. Um, but they were very, they were very supportive of of us playing music growing up. Um, uh, my mom got me a bass guitar. Parents got a strum kit. I got my own guitar, and uh, yeah, just very supportive growing up to both my brother and I for playing music. Now, my mom was a nurse, is a nurse, and she was working night shift. So there were times where she was like, stop playing the drums. <laughs> I'm trying to sleep. I have to work. But, but for the most part, yeah, they definitely supported us. That's badass. That's badass. Everyone out there, support yeah. your kids. They might become big rock stars one day. That's right. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with metal dudes, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. That's right. Normally we share a beer, but uh, this one's not going to be possible, so I, I asked you to bring a beer. So what do you got there? So what I have here is something called Petals Fred. Uh, I looked it up on tap just to kind of see. There's a bunch of different variants of it, so Fred is the variant of Petals. Um, it's a collab. It's, it's the Vale. Uh, they're out of Richmond, Virginia, and it's a collab with Chester King Brewery. And I remember they're from Austin, Texas. Yeah, huge shout out to Jester King. Much love. Yep. Awesome. I haven't had anything from them before. The great beers. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't sipped this yet either. I just poured it, but this is a uh, this is a farmhouse inspired ale, brewed with Texas wheat, aged in Danish cherry wine barrels, five point two percent. Delicious, delicious. Me on my side, I am drinking. Henderson Brewing Company. I am the sponsor of Devastation on the Nation, which is a tour featuring Rod and Christ, Bork Nagar, Wolfhard, Abigail Williams, and Imperial Triumphant. I had organized an after party for the Toronto show, and they brewed me this black lager called Devastation. It is sadly canceled the whole tour. The after party's canceled, but I still managed to grab a few of these. Let's see what the suckers got. Cheers. Cheers. Color looks great on yours. I got my dark omnius one. It smells nice and malty. Mm, perfect. Chocolatey, slightly smoky, a little nutty, delicious. Are you a craft beer enthusiast? Yes, I'm a craft beer enthusiast. I'm actually a brewer as well, too. Um, I started a brewery back in 2016. Yeah, 2016, we released our first beer. I say that I have a brewery. Um, it was a contract brewery, so we would use other people's facilities to go there and brew our beers there at their brewery and then essentially distribute it to brew, uh, bars and restaurants ourselves. It's really hard, uh, contract brewing. A lot of people don't understand. Uh, it's, I always put, I always tie music and craft beer together because that's how my brain works. Hence the podcast. It'd be as if like you and I would write an album give all of the notes and everything to some guy in some room and then you end up getting the album afterwards and you didn't play a single note touch a single string sing a single line and that's your album and you have to take it yeah i agree um it's just it's you you want to do that you want to write the album you want to do everything yourself you want to brew the beer yourself you want to do that yourself too and the reason we started contract brewing was really just to like test the market and make sure that there was room mm -hmm. for another brewery to pop up, you know, because they're everywhere and they're always popping up and you see some come and go just super quickly. So it's like, all right, well, let's try it out. And that first beer that we released, uh, it's called Sea Student. It was um, a West Coast style IPA with all sea hops. 
nice. the, the gimmick behind it. So it's just a standard that you see a lot. But we just wanted to do an IPA because that's what bars and restaurants want to buy. It's so easy to move IPAs and pale ales. And then you're like, oh, I have a farmhouse. Oh, OK, well, we'll take one sixth of that. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, yeah. They, they want the IPAs. So we stuck to IPAs, did some fruited IPAs and stuff like that just to kind of sell stuff that was easy to sell. And we proved very quickly that there was still room in the market. The floor had not fallen out. We hadn't reached the ceiling yet. So, um, yeah, that was the goal we set out to, to, to achieve and, and it worked. So I look forward to getting back to it. Uh, we're actually, we just ordered uh, some supplies to do four new batches coming up um, whenever it shows up because my local store didn't have everything we needed. And Northern Brewer is a place we would order from. And, and they're like, yeah, because of COVID-19, you know, we have to add like at least a week to our shipping. So kind of at the mercy of that. But yeah. Where did it all come from though? Did you, were you a home brewer? Did you have a friend that was a home brewer? How did it all lead up to actually wanting to start putting beer out? Yeah, I had a friend, uh, Tom, and this was back in like 2009, I think when I got into it. Um, he took classes at a local, um, homebrew store called flying barrel, uh, there in Frederick, Maryland. And so he was learning the process and asked me, like, he knew I like craft beer. Uh, he was like, would you want to get together and brew with me sometime? I said, yeah, sure. Um, so we got together and that was extract brewing. Uh, we're obviously all grain now, but, um, that was how I got my foot in the door was through him. And he had learned through classes at a local homebrew store. And it was a really good beginning that I kind of um, set out, set myself out there and started delving into like the dark web to see what can I learn and do it myself. Did you ever make an August Burns red beer? Yes, we've done several. Um, so the name of my brewery is Edgemont Brew Works. Uh, it's, it's me and my best friend, Garrett Delaney. And we brewed in 2015, we did a uh, found far away places IPA, which we just brewed that with different hops from source from around the world. The name of our record was Found in Faraway Places. So that's why we did that one. And then on a commercial scale, uh, my brother uh, is the head brewer and one of the owners of Elder Pine Brewing and Blending Company. They're a new brewery uh, out of Gaithersburg, Maryland. Um, and we've done actually three releases with them. And we have a fourth one on the way. Uh, we did two IPAs. Uh, one was called Meridian. That was available at our Christmas. Uh, it was brewed for our Christmas festival that we did uh, in Lancaster this past December. And then over the summer, we did a double IPA, a hazy, uh, called Pollux to celebrate 10 years of uh, a 10-year anniversary of Record Constellations. And then we did a sour as well. Um, at the same time, we did that double. And then the new one we got coming out right now is a farmhouse with um, a fruited farmhouse ale. And that's that's called Bones. That'll, that'll be coming out shortly. That's amazing. That's really smart that you have everything coinciding with album releases and events. Very avant-garde. I like it. Not many people do that. Yeah. We have a lot of uh, fans that enjoy it too. And they're like, oh, we did that first. The first release we did was Pollux and the, uh, I'm blanking on what the sour was called right now. Um, Antares, Constellations, Antares and Constellations, Pollux. And we released those two. And it was crazy how much of our fans were like, how can I get this? Because Elder Pine can't really sell all over the country yet. They're a new brewery. And um, people were like, I need to get this. Like, can somebody pick this up for me in Maryland and ship it? You know, so it's not something you can yeah. sell at your merch table, right? It's not something we can sell at our merch table. Yeah, I wish we could. We can sell coffee beans, but we can't sell exactly. Beer. You have to <laughs> set up in the back of the trailer, but even that's illegal. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want to touch on uh, COVID just a little bit. Um, when you saw it all coming, were you one of the people that believed that it was going to get to this state, or did you think it was just being blown out of proportion? Uh, yeah, at first I thought it was being blown out of proportion. I think a lot of us did. Um, that was in the very very early stages. We were prepping for a tour that we were doing with Kill Switch Engage and Light the Torch. Um, so we got together at practice, and that was before any shutdowns or anything happened. And we're all talking about it, and we're all like, not downplaying it, but the information wasn't out yet, you know. So we didn't really know what to expect. But cancellations and, and postponements were never on the mind. And then very quickly into that tour, it became a reality when cities started implementing, you know, uh, those curfews on how many people can go to events and stuff like that. I think Seattle was the first one that limited people under 1,000. San Francisco followed, and then uh, Philadelphia and, and District of Columbia. So they started coming together, and that's when we realized that it was probably going to happen. We have to postpone the whole tour, and we did only three days in. Okay, that's, it's good that to, to be in advance of it than to be behind it because everything really went to, to shit. right for the entertainment industry as soon as Trump banned international flights. That's when everything really went down, but you guys were ahead of that curve, which is wise. Uh, how long do you think it's going to take for the entertainment industry to bounce back from this? I think it's hard to say with so many cities like extending their, their curfews and, and things like that. Here in Maryland, they just extended it to, they closed all non-essential, life, life essential businesses. Um, I forget how long, but I think they extended it an extra two or three weeks. Um, and that's just here in Maryland. I know they have some really strict stuff going on the, on the West Coast, and we're supposed to go to Europe this summer. So that's a giant question mark. Uh, I was really expecting this whole thing to be done. Uh, I saw the CDC set eight weeks initially. Um, so I was expecting things to start getting back to normal around May, June at the latest. And that's kind of where my hopes are right now because we're still learning stuff every day about this. So I don't really know how to guess other than go with what the CDC says and say eight weeks, how much longer can it sustain? You know, like this is getting ridiculous, but we got to just, we got to self-isolate and try to kick this thing before it spreads even more. So, so you guys canceled that tour. You went home and you went straight into social distancing. Yeah, we postponed the tour. So we're working with kill switch uh, to reschedule it. And hopefully we'll have some news on that shortly, but all tickets are going to be honored from that tour. Uh, we only played two shows. So um, we're going to reschedule every date that we didn't play. And, announce that shortly whenever we have that finished um but yeah i came home and again the news really wasn't like self-isolate right away so i went to the grocery store got some things i needed because you know i just left for tour so i don't leave food in my house so i had i had like nothing <laughs> yeah i didn't even have toilet paper <laughs> went to the store and i was like okay well i can't get that i got two rolls that's gonna last me eight weeks or whatever i need so i went to the grocery store came back and then they started closing down more and more stuff just kept closing. I'm like, oh, I got to go to the grocery store again. So now I'm stockpiled for a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's what a crazy time we're living in right now. What a strange time. It's almost at the point where I see people on the street and I see them as being an enemy. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like that thought, but I'm always like, you know, I, I like, why are you walking so close to me? Don't you understand? <laughs> I don't know. And when I see old people out, I'm like, what are you doing out of your house? <laughs> That kills me, man. Like, <laughs> I have a friend who um, he said his girlfriend cleans houses, and uh, she was supposed to go clean a house for this seventy-year-old man, and and she was like, "I'm not going to come over because of like what's going on right now." And he was like, "No, you must. I need my house cleaned." Are you kidding me, dude? Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, don't do that. Don't even risk that. <laughs> 
Why? So we're, we're all staying home for you right now. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Don't let people into your home. Come on. <laughs> Not yet. Um, have you guys, uh, I don't know what your, your take on this would be. I think nowadays a lot of people are going to be start turning to Patreon because they don't have any income coming from touring. What do you think about that? I think it's a great way to supplement in- income. I mean, I-, I understand a lot of bands need income in this time because, I mean, look, we haven't played. We played three shows this year and we had bills to pay. So we don't have any income coming in. I'm, I'm thinking about teaching lessons through Skype, uh, discounted, of course, uh, because, I mean, who who has a job right now? I know a lot of jobs are on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it's a great way to to do that. And I also see some people like donating money to raising money and donating it to their crew members, which is great because I'm concerned about our crew members. I asked I asked uh, some of our guys like, "Are you good? Do you have everything you need? Like, do you have enough savings to get through this? Like, what's going on? You know, um, because they don't have there's no shows, so they don't have jobs when they're at home. It's crazy. Um, so I, I'm totally for like teaching lessons or raising money and, and donating. Let's just finish up with one little thing that I like to go back upon. You guys have uh, done a lot of tours. You've toured with a lot of big acts. Uh, what would be if you could travel back in time and you could relive one tour, what tour would that be? Oh, that's a great question. Either because you had the most fun or there was the most mishaps that happened that are funny now but weren't funny then. I'd go back to our first time in Australia. We played Australia with um, Parkway Drive, brought us there for our first time, and Architects. Uh, and it was a very short tour, but it was our first time in Australia. It was very exciting and you know, asked about like mishaps. I have a memory of uh, daring Matt to jump into the Sydney Harbor shit. to like swim. <laughs> and I had no idea that it was shark infested waters. Oh shit. I didn't know that either. Okay. Yeah. And he did Whoa. it. Whoa. And, and, and I would just, so I would go back. I know he's fine. Nothing happened, but I would go back to that time and be like, don't do it, dude. I know I said, I'm going to pay you 50 bucks. I'm not going to pay you 50 bucks and it's not worth the risk anyways. Don't do it. So, That's awesome. but that was, I remember that being a really fun tour. It was a really cool experience to go there at, for our first time and really big shows. It was really cool. That's awesome. That sounds huge. Yeah. I always want to ask this question. I always forget to Vox and hops is about craft beer. What is your hangover cure? Ooh, my hangover cure. Does, uh, does a hangover patch count? Because I avoid hangover altogether. That's damn. That's that's. Has any has anybody ever said that? No, no. Before? I've never asked the question. I always want to ask the question. It's something that I want. Oh, sorry. So it's my, it's, it's, you're my first one. There you go. So not not yeah, drinking okay. is the right way to do it. Oh no no no! You drink, but there's there's a patch that you can put on your arm. Uh, I think it's called Bitox Hangover Patch. It's expensive, but uh, I discovered it when I was really into drinking and just going out and partying, probably in my early twenties, uh, and I. I took it to the limits of how many shots of tequila can I do tonight and wake up tomorrow. And I, I swear you don't, if you put it on right, it's like an hour before you, your first drink. Um, you will not wake up with a hangover. Uh, I should say most people won't wake up with a hangover. I've never woken up with a headache after it. You kind of wake up a little bit foggy, but that's because you're up drinking until three in the morning and you get up at nine. So that is my hangover cure is get a hangover patch. It's just a, it's straight up vitamins straight through your bloodstream, put that on your arm, Drink as much as you want. It'll work. Oh, cool. I didn't even know that existed. That's awesome. Dustin, thank yeah. you so, so much for coming, uh, sharing a beer with me virtually. Cheers. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, brother. Matt, thanks for having me. And let's do this in person sometime. Absolutely. Cheers. Great. Cheers.
Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. This was the first of the COVID-19 Vox and Hops episodes that I'm doing online with people, and it was riddled with technical difficulties, both on my side and on Dustin's side. It uh, is a little bit shorter than it should be. We had a much longer conversation, but sadly I lost a lot of it due to a poor internet connection, and somehow on his side, he lost his whole audio recording. So I apologize. I promise you that me and Dustin shall hook up again to have a more in-depth conversation the next time we are in the same vicinity once this whole COVID-19 situation is gone and settled. So huge shout out to Dustin. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to sit down with me. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. And a massive shout out to Natasha Gorey for helping me set this one up. Much love and respect, Natasha. I'm stoked to be doing a bunch more interviews. Thanks to you coming up in the next few days. Dropping lots of episodes, lots of interviews this week, so I'm going to keep it nice and short. A few things to remember. Support the artists that you love. Right now they are struggling. Tours have been canceled. Crew members are out of a job. The entertainment industry is in shambles. Best way to support your artists right now is by taking lessons with them, as Dustin was mentioning he was going to do. You can also buy some merchandise, pick up their music. It's very important right now. Secondly, drink local craft beer. All of your local craft beer breweries are also suffering right now. A lot of breweries make most of their income by having a tap room where people come in and they eat and they enjoy the whole experience. It would be a horrible disaster if we lost some craft breweries due to COVID-19. I don't want that to happen. So if you are going to drink a beer, make sure that it's a craft beer and make sure that it's local. Support your local economy. Support your local craft beer breweries. I hope you guys have a great weekend. And remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer responsibly for the time being. Cheers, Vox and Hopsheads. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.